0: Welcome, everybody, to a very special episode of the Tip of the Tongue podcast. I am kind of pinch hosting here. This is Brent Rosen. I'm the president of the Southern Food and Beverage Museum, and we are talking today with two heritage heroes, one from Nashville, one from Atlanta, who have recently won their stops on the Heritage Fire Tour. The Southern Food and Beverage Museum is a partner of the Heritage Fire Tour this year, and they're supporting the museum in our work, and then we're trying to find some ways that we can broaden the experience of the Heritage Fire Tour by bringing you some more um, sort of in-depth interviews with chefs and some really fun content on our app that will allow you, while you're at the Heritage Fire Tour, to take the museum's Tour of Smoke and Fire, which talks about all of our barbecue and over- open fire cooking exhibits. Without you know more information about the museum, we're really going to get into it. Two amazing chefs that are visiting with us on the podcast today, Levi Rains and Robert Butts. Levi was the heritage hero in Nashville, and Robert was the heritage hero in Atlanta. And to get started, Robert, would you tell us a little bit about your background and your restaurant and kind of your, your cooking journey and how you got here today?
1: Uh, how you doing? Uh, Chef Robert here from Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, it's pretty simple. Uh, I grew up around uh, culinary. My family was a big... Uh, supporter of it, you know, we got together with food. So it was always like a background for me. Um, I am a first-generation chef in my family, but you know, when you have that kind of natch, you kind of want to go for it. So before all this, actually I did news and media in Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, where I actually worked for Channel 9 News, and then, but I was still cooking. So I started to leave my job, uh, go to culinary school, uh, graduated. Then actually I went overseas and trained in the South of France for like a year and a half in a small town called Villeneuve, mm-hmm. um, While I worked in a vineyard. Worked with a great chef, his name was Chef Morgan, taught me a few things. Came back to Atlanta, um, started working at some of the top restaurants, uh, like Fort Swift, uh, Turban Lake, stuff like that. And then now um, I'm the executive chef of Twisted Soul Cookhouse & Poor's here in Atlanta, Georgia, where we focus on global comfort food. So we take the ideas of other cultures from the travels that we have, and we bring it back to like Southern cuisine. So you see ideas like from a Brazilian style or a Vietnamese style, but we'll keep it with Southern ingredients. Just to give like a modern take on you know Southern food.
0: Great, and, and Levi, uh, same question to you. How, uh, what, what brings you to us today on this uh, podcast and, and what got you to Nashville? Uh,
2: well, yeah, i kind of like always been cooking. I, I went straight to culinary school and was formally trained at Johnson and Wales um, in Miami, um, straight out of high school. And I stayed down there for about eight years, um, kind of cooking and working through some restaurants. Um, and back then I actually used to work for the Dutch in South Beach in the W Hotel. Um, then I moved to uh, New Orleans for about seven years, um, worked with chef nina compton at compare la pen and Biowater american bistro um, really had a great time um got to meet all you you guys over at southern food beverage museum yep. which was cool um, and then uh after the pandemic i kind of like reconnected with uh Noho hospitality and um, they kind of shared an opportunity to come up to nashville so i jumped on it um and now i'm currently running uh two restaurants up here one is carne mare um, which is like an italian um steakhouse and uh also the Dutch again. So I'm back at the Dutch kind of like recreating some memories and now I'm like training and mentoring the young cooks and hopefully kind of trying to recreate the experience that I had at the Dutch in Miami.
0: What is the style of food at the
2: Dutch? So the Dutch is like American cuisine. Um, We do, I mean, we are located in hotels. We do breakfast, lunch, dinner, brunch on the weekends. Um, It's really kind of like a 24 hour beast. Um, But I always really like the unique kind of perspective of Andrew Carmelini's like view on American cuisine. Um, When they opened in, they opened in Soho in 2000, uh, Nine or 2010. Um, and at the time, he was kind of like the first one that was viewing American cuisine um, kind of like through the eyes of like the immigrant population that like really creates what we love about American cuisine a landscape, um, how people kind of move to the United States and bring their different cultures and um, experiences. And it becomes part of, you know, the cultures in different states and stuff like that. So it wasn't really like um, as much like regional American cuisine. Um, you'd see more stuff like, you know, lamb neck mole with the rose rojo, um, next to Korean steaks, you know, stuff like that. So, And there's, of course, like the New York kind of restaurant element of like steaks, chops, oysters um, as well. So It's really fun. I love it. I think it's like a really dynamic restaurant.
0: And, and Robert, you you sort of talked about global comfort food, but what are some of the dishes people could expect at the restaurant that sort of, you know, embodies that idea?
1: Um, so like different uh, cuisines, like we, you know, do Peruvian style food. We got like a Lomo Santado, uh, which we use steak. Um, we actually use a nice cut uh, a local farm raised uh, steak we use here. But we take like the ingredients, like typically it's a steak grill with like rice, uh, some type of pampas or fries and nice like sauce, maybe like red wine. So we'll incorporate that, you know, and then we'll use like some Carolina gold rice. Uh, we'd like to use some like some nice uh, potatoes, which we'll kind of do like fondant potatoes. We do like a different take on it, but still still stay true to the culture and stuff like that. So.
0: And when you are kind of where do you find inspiration for your dishes, uh, both in the restaurant and, and when you're kind of thinking about things, you know, like the Heritage Fire Tour, and, and we'll get to that in just a sec. But what what, are, what do you look at, Robert, you know, when you're thinking about new new ways of cooking or, or new dishes for your menu?
1: Well, I mean, the thing of the beauty part about like food and cuisine is that you know it's, it's ever growing, everlasting, and there's so many ways and avenues in which you can go that is very exciting. So typically, my daily life is what inspires me. Like um, I did, recently, did like a, a scallop dish, you know, brown brown butter scallops, I did like a crawfish, etouf, uh, sorry, crawfish risotto. And it really just comes down to my experiences. You know, I like to go out, um, hang with some of my friends, like to try new restaurants, and then just see like, you know, what could work together. You know, the best part of being a chef is we can be as creative as we want. So we can bring these like avenues that normally people wouldn't think about together. Um, so my inspiration really comes from my daily life, uh, conversations, uh, dishes I try, uh, shoot, even like some cocktails I try. Because sometimes you notice now, the, um, the beverage side, the mixology side, started to come to the culinary side too, to how they balance their flavor. So it's just, you know, I take it from my daily experiences, you know, and grow with that.
0: And Levi, it's sort of the same question. You know, you're talking about kind of reinventing the Dutch and, and kind of rethinking some of what you did when you were, earlier in your career. Where do you, where do your ideas sort of come from for that?
2: Well, um, you know, the one of the great things about this is that it's really collaborative. Um, you know, we have a global chef team up in New York and uh, the, the corporate chef or the, you know, the um, like culinary director of that team right now is actually this guy, Josh Gripper, who was um, he used to be the pastry chef at, uh, at um, Gotham Steak in the Fountain Blue. When I worked there as a cook, that was my first job out of culinary school. And he was the one that introduced me to the guys at the Dutch um, because he used to work as a pastry sous chef uh, at, um, uh, at Cafe Balloude when AC was the, was the chef there. Um, so they kind of have like really, really far back history. Um, he like brought me over to the Dutch and introduced me to those guys. And, um, he, I mean, his career has progressed. He moved into savior, obviously. And he's like killing it now. Um, and we kind of like work together on a daily basis. I just got off the phone with him like two minutes ago before this, uh, kind of started. Um, and we talk about it all the time. We kind of talk with the other chefs that are in the properties, you know, we have different locations. So, um, I went up to New York and helped him open carne mari and, um, pier 17. So I have a really great relationship with that chef. Um, and we kind of like always make sure that our menus are kind of aligned and that we're kind of moving in the same direction through the seasons. Um, so it's very collaborative in a way. Yeah, and it has a lot to do with menu engineering and like, well, i you know. sorry.
1: No, go ahead, Robert. What were you gonna say? Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, bro. I was trying to agree with you. Um, one thing I do like about it is this new sense of community when it comes to the culinary scene. Um, it's more along the lines of more collaborations now, more than like ego-based. And it's kind of cool how you can kind of feel or vibe out of each other. Like you said, when you come uh, Levi, you're making your menu, you know, same way here. You know, I'm able to you know talk to fellow chef colleagues about ideas, and you know, they give the two cents, and it's not like you know, you're trying to make anybody look bad. Now, even at the Heritage Fire, you know, it would just seemed like a big, you know, a reunion because everybody kind of knew each other at the same time. And it's like, okay, let me see what you're going to make. You know, we're helping each other, which is really cool, elevate to the next level. Um, at the same time, pushing the broader where the cuisine could go. So I Levi, I completely agree with you with that, man. That's cool. At
2: the same time too, it's like, that's kind of one of the things that like really like excites me and jazz me up about these kind of like offsite events. And I can really actually just kind of do a one-off and do whatever I want to do. Um, and it's not something that I need to even recreate, so I can kind of make it as challenging or as, um, as streamlined as I want to do it, you know.
0: When you are going out to eat, where what are you, what excites you the most right now? And, and I don't necessarily mean like particular restaurants, but what styles of food are, are really what you're out looking for when you're going out?
2: Uh, I'll, I'll jump in on that. Um, yeah. I definitely love cuisine that kind of like comes across pretty simple. Um, one of my favorite restaurants up here now, it's like when you see a plate of food kind of come, it like looks like it has like three or four ingredients. Um, but there's always like a little bit of like kind of age or ferment or like house kind of like preparations in there that add complexity to the dish. Um, and then like it just really shines through in like the quality of the ingredients, um, like prepared really well. Like, I mean, it might be a roasted chicken with like a sauce that whole, has like whole braised garlic cloves in it. And sometimes, you know, there's too much stuff on the plate. And like, I think you see that a lot in like younger chefs. Um, kind of like trying to do too much. And I definitely like, you know, suffer from the same thing where you got to edit, you know, when you're kind of developing dishes and take out things that don't need to be there. Because um, it's kind of distracting what you want. When you want to either like a nice roast chicken, sometimes that's all you really need. And Robert, what about you?
1: I mean, I kind of agree with Levi there. Like, um, I like simplicity is key for me. Um, but what excites me is, you know, when you come across a restaurant or, you know, you go to an experience and it's just, you can you can tell like the the love they put into like the menu and the ideas like it's not just so much of just putting a menu together but like you understand these people took their time for it. Um, and one of my favorite restaurants here is called Bantan. It's a um, it's like a, a Vietnamese Asian Cajun fusion restaurant. But it's just the way they come up with their 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 menu ideas or the dishes it's so like out there but it makes sense um it's just nice what gets me excited is i get to try new people's ideas like i love trying new food (laughs) like you know what i mean like it's it's just like i want to see because basically your food is your story right no matter what it is your story is everything we've been through through our journey so when i go to a new restaurant i get very excited um it's not so much of uh, looking for a particular thing it's just more of i just want to see what the experience is gonna be about um so that's actually more than anything else
2: yeah that's like kind of one of the cool things too like when you read a menu and you're like you, like, place your order, but then, like, when the food comes out and hits the table, you're like, oh, shit, that looks great.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it's
2: like. Like, you were
0: kind of excited, but like, once you see it, it's like, oh, yeah. Like, Whoa, this like, like, oh, yeah, is I'm, I'm ready for this. And so the Heritage Fire Tour, that's what's brought us all together. Both of you will find out
1: about the Heritage Fire Tour. After you're uh, You want to go first, man? Yeah. No, hey. go for uh, well, I found about it uh, actually through food and wine um shannon was doing was a part of it and um you know we're doing it for a while in atlanta And she was like hey rob i got this dope concept coming up you know, that we've been doing which is the heritage fire i never competed the last two years before but um this year i said you know what You're behind me i'm gonna try it out and see how it goes so i really got through it with food and wine that's how i got introduced to it and then you know of course um it's been going on for a long time so you know you look it up it started in napa stuff like that so the history of it was really good so i was very intrigued like interested in to get into it
0: gotcha and so you mean so like from atlanta food and wine yeah, from Atlanta, Food War. Atlanta Food War. Gotcha. And Levi, what about you? Where did? How did you find out about the
2: Heritage Fire Tour? So I've known about them for a pretty long time, actually. We, when I was in Miami and I worked at the Dutch there, um, we, my chef Connor competed in Koshan Five Five Five. So I helped him with that, and we did like a barbecue series the first year. He competed the second year, um, and so I've been watching him. I've been following him for years. I saw them kind of like transition into Heritage Fire. And uh, they never really participated in New Orleans, so that was kind of like off the table. And then when I moved here to Nashville, I saw like tons of marketing for it last year. So this year, I was like, I reached out to my buddy who uh, from Bourbon Steak who competed in last year. I was like, hook me up. How did you get ready to do the Heritage Fire Tour, and and did you have help from your teams and the restaurants? Yeah, definitely. Um, for me, I mean, you know, I've, <clears throat> I've done a lot of uh, larger scale events like this before, um, so I'm pretty comfortable with like kind of creating the prep list and like thinking about how I want to do the dish. This one is like definitely a little bit more challenging in the aspect of like the live fire element, right? Um, and wanting to have some kind of like element of like showmanship when you're out there. Um, because it's kind of funny, like mentioned like Francis Molman and I know a lot of people like do these like crazy contraptions and try to like build this huge thing or roast the whole animal. But especially when you do an event like this, it can be super challenging because you got to do all that preparation in advance. So by the time you're serving people, you're not really gonna have a whole animal like on the spit, right? You're gonna be like chopping it up and breaking it down. Um, so, I always try to do things that are like kind of ready in advance. Um, and the first thing I did was walk all the levels on my property because we have a bunch of random like banquet equipment and stuff like that that's not necessarily in use. Mm-hmm. Um, I found this big plancha, like a propane plancha. Um, that was a really cool piece of equipment. I was like, oh shit, I want to bring this. And like, what am I going to do with this? And that was kind of like where my idea started. Um, so, I definitely like, wanted to use like a lo- local product. And uh, because I had the plancha, like the, one of the first things that came to my mind was um, dosa which I've never really made dosa before, but I like, you know, I just kind of like see little videos and clips of stuff online. So um, that kind of like got really exciting for me to like try something new. Um, so I kind of like went out of my way to, um, to go in and eat some dosa, to do some research. Um, and uh, yeah, I ended up doing uh, like a fresh crispy dosa where we fermented um, rice, uh, some like jasmine rice, uh, lentils and dal, uh, with a little bit of fenugreek and like puree into like a batter um it gets like super crispy it's a little bit like a sourdough um and it's only cooked on one side and i kind of like originally had a vision that i was going to make these huge dosa and like roll them up into like like massive burritos and like cut them up like sushi or something like that um and so like as i got closer to the event kept thinking about how like i was going to execute it that kind of like evolved into like a smaller piece um uh, just like kind of served with the curry i reached out to one of my um you know one of like local farm purveyors bear creek which i really love a lot um you see in like all around um you know, some of the best menus in town because their product is really, really good. And I was like, asked him to hook me up with a lamb farmer. It was a guy that used to work for her. He's like super excited. He actually like pushed off his delivery for me because he had to go do like ultrasounds on some sheep.
1: <laughs> uh, That's amazing. A,
2: like, he was like super jazzed up and it was really great to meet him. going to try to continue that relationship as much as possible. Um, so we got some whole lambs from him uh, delivered and, and I think uh a really, really nice curry. And then actually another unique product that I got for this event that really surprised me was I got some like young Thai coconut, um, that was like just the meat, like the jelly meat, um, in like one pound bags, like shipped in from Thailand. Um, because I wanted to do a, a fresh coconut um, chutney, but it's really hard to find products like that here in Nashville. And also, like I didn't necessarily want to get like you know three hundred coconuts and break them all down. Right. Uh, so I just kind of like went for it, and I was actually really pleasantly surprised by the product. And I used that like just blended it with some of the uh, tempering spice. Um, we so we did like basically the whole dish was. Um, Curry lamb dosa with some roasted sweet potatoes that were like roasted on the uh, on the fire, um, with uh, co- uh, minted coconut chutney and uh, tempering.
1: That's that sounds.
2: <laughs> it was really good. <laughs> <laughs> honestly, like I mean, Brent, you've I think you've had like you've had curries that we've cooked before. Um, sure. And in Biwa, we used to always do like the rabbit curry and stuff like that. So um, I did cook like everything for this event personally. I did all of some awesome stuff and like really put love into it. Um, and then like I I you know, definitely brought the crew out. Um, I needed, like, two people on, especially, like, because the nervous part is, like, making the dosa a la menu, Um Was, like, you know, if you get behind on something like that when you're serving 700 people, like, you're going to go down in flames. And when we used to do these events, like, back in the day, we would always kind of do cold cold dishes, um, you know, pates, terrines, things like that. And we would he, always, like, look at some guy... We would always look at some guy that's like deep frying something or like cooking something on a little plancha and they have a line, like, you know, 50 people. And we just kind of like laugh at them and like, you're stupid. Um, so I was like kind of kicking myself. I was like, oh, but, it, but it's cool because it like gives me nervous cook energy. I know I have the tools and like ability to kind of execute it, but like going into it, you're still always like, fuck, can I execute it? Um, so it was really fun.
0: Yeah. And Robert, kind of the, the same, tell, tell me a similar, you know, how did you get to, to Atlanta and, and your dish?
1: uh well so like certainly but like you know i've done a few of these food vessels. i do it all the time and you know it's always very exciting um but the exciting one about this one was like the live cooking over the fire um because you know you know we can get like a smoker or something like that or like you know a grill but it's like the what i like you said the contraptions they were making the stuff you would see was just beyond me like you know the big um the uh, big uh, barrels and everything. So, I mean, um, it was a very good time and, you know, having the support of the restaurant team and stuff like that means a lot because, you know, I can go to them about my ideas and they can try it um, and they'll give me honest feedback. They're not scared to tell me if it's if it's trash at all, which I can really appreciate. Um, so this year, you know, uh, I wanted to do something a little bit, you know, different. Um, so I did go the same route with lamb. But I did a uh, smoked lamb belly um, I did, um, a Phil P, um, Johnny cake, uh, we did a, uh, triple mince, bourbon style, uh, Demi, uh, a little bit of brown sugar, a little bit of bourbon. It was delicious. And then, I uh, did like a Napa jalapeno salad to go on top of it. This was like a freshness and some acidity. Um, and it was, it was good. Um, but just the excitement for everybody, like you said, with the lines and like when people try your dish and they're telling everybody about it and now your line's growing and growing and growing and everybody's like, you know what? It's the best dishes of the day. And they give you little tokens. It kind of feels, it feels pretty like validating, you know, because you see all these people here are very talented. And it's like, you know, not, not saying the dishes are horrible at all. Everyone did a great job, but it's kind of, it's kind of like you put your, your work and your time into this and people are appreciating it, <laughs> you know, like, it's not like you're just taking, eating it, throw it away. They actually give you acknowledgement. Um, so it was, it was very fun. Um, were, you,
2: uh, were you surprised when you won?
1: Um, I was I was actually surprised no one because you know it's a it's a it's a lot of big chefs here in Atlanta and so you know I was just when I go to these things I just like to have fun you know like it's like it's a time away from the kitchen from the restaurant for like a few hours even though we're still technically working you know we're still we're, at least we're outside a little bit you're um, outside the sun's on your face <laughs> outside a little bit and they, and they give yeah, us like so a beer outside something.
2: Well, it's cool because, like, when, when you have the people in line that are, like, telling you that you have the best dish, because we had a QR code, not the tokens, right? So, like, yeah. I always kind of take it with a grain of salt because, like, everybody kind of I th- – I think some people kind of soften their interaction with the chef when they get to the front of the line by being like, ooh, that was delicious. Like, that was my favorite thing. And I'm like, they're telling everybody that. <laughs> and it was and- funny. We were actually when – we, when they announced the winner, like, we were just trying to take a group photo before we broke down. And so, like you know, I, cause I brought some like front of the house reps with me as well, so we could really like engage with the guests and like tell them about the restaurants and try to get some people in. And um, they like, we were like, we had the whole group in front of our table, like taking the photo. And then, like all of a sudden, all the photographers started coming up, and I was like, and I was like, oh shit, you guys like came perfect timing. How'd you know? Like, let, yeah, let's get some nice shots. And then, like, they, <laughs> I was like, oh snap, that's me. <laughs> that's pretty funny. Yeah. that is funny.
1: Did you, uh, right? Did you like jump for joy? We like calm about it? like, yeah. I did it. I like ran through. I like gave
2: some high fives and stuff like that. I didn't really know where I was going. I was like they were like kind of leading me. So I did a whole dance. Because
1: right? <laughs> like
2: you said, like I don't really go for that. Like it's a competition, but I just kind of went to have some fun, cook something really nice, and like try to engage with people that don't really, yeah. that would really like see us in the restaurant, you know. Um, and also like hang out with some other chefs, you know. I always like like meeting other other local chefs that are there cooking, trying their dishes, and like getting to chat them up a little bit, have a cocktail. Um, it's always like really fun for me as well.
0: Did uh, so Levi, you mentioned that it was 700 portions, and I don't, I didn't realize it was that many. And, and so for both of y'all, that's a lot to serve. And, and Levi, you talked a little bit about kind of like how you could get into difficulty when you're sort of trying to make things hot as you go. How yeah. do you kind of figure out when you are cooking something, you know, and then serving it, the like the math behind that? How do you avoid a long line, or how do you keep things moving?
2: Um, I think it's just like stream, like, like you have to really like envision the process and streamline it. Um, so obviously like mine was a braised dish with like three touches, four touches. Um, and really the most important part was just making sure that the curry was hot, that the herbs were not wilted and that the dosa was hot and crispy. Um, so we actually like threw away tons of dosa because I was just like, just make as many as you can and like kind of roll them up. And if they start getting soft then just toss them. And it was actually cool because it was like kind of chilly outside. So like, the plancha we put it up right next to our table and it was like really steaming a lot. Um so it was like a really cool kind of little centerpiece. And we would just like have um I actually brought a whole hot box with me um from the hotel. Like they have they have a bunch of hot boxes for banquets. So I was like I'm just gonna bring a whole box. Um so we had the grill fired up and we just kind of like reheated the curry um like roasted you know re-roasted the uh the sweet potatoes over the fire and held everything in the box and then we would just drop like one pan out at a time on the on the grill. So like make sure everything's like really nice and hot and accessible and have like some smaller pans um, to kind of like ladle a little bit in, turn around to the plating table. You have one cook like lining out, um, you know, 20 or 30 uh, plates at a time. Somebody hits with curry, somebody follows with chutney, somebody follows with sweet potato, somebody follows with tempering, somebody follows with micro herbs. And then we transfer it to the front table and just hit them with dose and hand them to the guests.
0: And Robert, what about you? How,
2: did you? how did you get through the process of yours?
1: Well, I mean, you know, you know, it takes it takes a village. You know, it takes a whole team to get through to all this. But it came with the preparation of like, okay, if it's 700 portions, let's break this down. How many how many pieces can I get out of this one cut? You know what I'm saying? And so I will I will monitor how many pieces. I will at least try to get 20 out of each side of the lamb belly. That way, I know with the amount that I prepped, I can hit the number easily. And then, like he's like Levi said, keeping that sauce hot is like the most important thing because that can get you through a lot. Um, So we had someone on the smoker who was making sure the lamb was hot. Then we had like a hot box that we would put the lamb in. Somebody was in charge of making the Johnny Cakes. Um, Somebody was in charge of laying out the bolts. Someone was in charge of the the finished micros. So it was a whole system. And by the point you get into that rhythm, Levi, as you know, when you get to that rhythm, you know, it just starts pumping. It's like we got the system down. We know what to do. We're we're lined out. 30 plates at a time, our line is moving, even though it's long. And that's, that pays that pays a lot um, to it too. Like the people notice that, like the guests notice that, like, yo, these, like, you know, being a chef is also being like very organized, very efficient. And, you know, no matter what situation you're in, you're able to adapt. And so, you know, we're doing this outside fire, open fire competition, and we're still able to bang out plates like we're in our actual kitchens. It's like, yo, that's impressive. <laughs> it's really impressive.
2: Well, and I think- He's a
1: Yeah,
0: I think that's really, you know, my takeaway from this, because I am going to go to the uh, Heritage Fire uh, stop in Austin in May, but I I have not yet been to one. And it, it sounds like these are incredible operations that the chef participants are pulling together to make all of this happen. And, you know, as someone who, you know, going to a festival like that, where, you know, do people have the expectation that it's going to be that sort of level or are they sort of blown away when they get your dishes?
1: I think it depends because, like, a lot of times with these festivals, there are people who come for the food, but a lot of people come for, like, this, the environment. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, a, it's, a, it's sponsored by liquor companies, stuff like that. They just want to have a good time. So um, I think the expectation is – you know, similar to everyone else they come in, knowing it's a food, food food, festival, we have some drinks, try some dishes. But over time, you know, as you get to talking to the chefs, you get know, uh, to learn more about the people involved. It, it grows a little bit more. People are like, okay, this is, it comes from like an event to an experience, um, which is, you know, taking away from everything that we're doing. Um, and so I have one more, you know, sort of question
0: about, so it's live fire cooking. And we may not have really like described that. You know, as well as we could have. But I think live fire cooking is one of those areas that, like 10, 15 years ago, there weren't places that would go on, you know, kind of talking about themselves as a live fire cooking restaurant. You just didn't really see that. And so, like, what, when someone says live fire cooking, what does that really mean? You know, because it's not barbecue. There, barbecue is a kind of live fire cooking, but what does
2: what live fire cooking mean to y'all? For me, it's just grilling. I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't think there's anything like top secret about it. You use a plant. Yeah, um, and I think like when you use the term like live fire cooking, it specifically means that you're like cooking down wood into charcoal and using that charcoal to cook your food. Um, which in all honesty, it's like, it's just one of those trendy things that like, uh, all these like kind of old school techniques kind of come back in waves. Like Patan crew might be super hot this year. Petiviers might be like super hot next year. Um, gratitude is going to make a comeback. You see it on all these menus, like maybe 20 years from now, who knows? Um, so, I mean, obviously like live fire cooking is one of the most like primordial, like kind of styles of cooking. That's where it all started, right? Applying heat, um, to cook a protein or cook a vegetable and change its texture and flavor. Um, that's where it all started. So I think there's like something inherent, like all of us, like cooks, like as you develop your technique and as you get better and better at cooking, kind of relying less on technology, less on, um, equipment and getting back to the basic, because that's where like the joy comes from is like manipulating, um, the product and like using your senses to kind of like make the calls. Right. And it just takes intuition, but you build that intuition by years and years of cooking and learning how things react to different types of heat that's applied to it. Um, so I think like when you do live fire cooking, it just in, like, it takes it to a new level because now you're managing your heat in a different way, right? You're not just turning the burner on or off. You really have, it's another level of preparation and the way that you um, interact with it is gonna totally change like your final product.
1: I, I agree really by that. Like it's something um, I wanna say I, don't, I don't want to say primal, but it does take you back because, like you said, we've, we've done all these techniques, we've learned all these new things, we work in these nice kitchens, but to go back to just an open flame, you know, that's just fire. And it's like you have to learn how to maneuver around it. It's some, it's something kind of exciting about it because it really shows one your knowledge, um, how you're able to adapt, and like your skill level. You know, like okay, my fire is hot on this side; I move it on to on to the other side. It, like it just brings you. I think it brings you back to a place of just like, you know. Basically, where it all began when we first started cooking, because <laughs> you know we just started with a flame. That was it. It just it, that's it was just exciting for me. But like I get a lot, of, the fly fire cooking um, is like you he it's a trend, but you know it's it's something that's very it's, it's good to see from time to time. You know, back. I, mean, I don't
2: think it's ever going to go away, right? Um, no, no, not at, all. <laughs> not at You're a very big part of like what we do to pay attention and be involved throughout the entire process. You can't just kind of like set let it, it go it and walk it. away from it, right? Yeah, um, very true. we actually we have a a big custom grill that's built by clay ovens, um, in Carnegie Right, it's kind of like the pieces there. And it's really cool because it's got this like big centerpiece basket where you fire um, the firewood. We get some like uh, red oak uh, locally and uh, you just kind of get that shit going and then it all breaks down into charcoals and you rake it out under this like kind of multi-layered um, grill piece. Um, so we did actually, I didn't actually talk about like how I incorporated that into our dish, right? Because we use the plancha as kind of like that like theatrical showpiece at the event. Um, but we did like, when well, we broke down the whole lambs, we brined them, we rubbed them and marinated them with some like really beautiful, like madras curry from, uh, La Voit, And then we, uh, grilled those on the open flame, um, kind of like hung them a little bit to just catch like a little bit of light smoke, um, get a little bit of caramelization on before we braised them. And then we also used uh, all the embers to like roast our sweet potatoes and kind of like burn the skins and cook them all the way through before we peeled them and diced them. Um, so we did really incorporate an open flame aspect, just not one that was like the, the showpiece during the event. Right.
0: I think we're getting close to the end of our time. And so I, I have one more, two more questions for each of you. And the first one is what advice would you give to the competitors who are going to compete in the Heritage Fire Tour over the, the rest of the run this year? Uh, Robert, why don't you go first?
1: If I can give any advice to um, the competitors who are about to go into this, it'll be one um, don't overthink. You know, what I mean, like, uh, you know, sometimes simplicity is key. Um, have fun with what you're doing. Like, you know, realize that you you are a chef and you are talented. Don't compare yourself to others. And, like, um, in the day, just cook the food that you love, man, like, and it will go a long way. That's all I can say right there.
2: <laughs> and Levi, what's your advice? You know, I don't know that I necessarily have any advice. I think that, like, uh, these guys have all been invited to compete and represent themselves and be true to themselves. And I think, like, that's all you can really do, you know?
0: And uh, what advice do you have for people who are coming to the Heritage Fire Tour, the guests?
1: Robert. Be prepared to have a lot of food and a lot of drinks. It's a marathon. It's not a spring.
2: My, my advice would be to check the weather. Uh, True. Check the weather before you go. It's an outdoor event, and uh, they don't cancel it. So um, whether it's raining or whether it's 100 degrees, whatever, you want to be prepared for that. Uh,
1: See, Lima, that's crazy cause it was storming on our day like it was like it was like we thought it was gonna get canceled we really thought it was gonna cancel and they sent the email i said oh no we're just gonna move it inside and we're like what like you know was confused but it's rain or shine like rain of shine
2: yeah Ours okay. yeah, was with, like a little overcast it was a little chilly um uh, but i've definitely been to a lot of events where it's the opposite the thing, like, because they're like not prepared for you You're, like drinking a bunch of booze and and eating uh-huh. a lot of tea and you just like catch a worse sunburn ever
0: yeah. So we're Austin, you're going to Austin.
2: So what, what, yeah. what, uh, what, month is that?
0: May. So yeah, there'll be, you know, yeah. There'll be sunscreen. I don't, I don't have <laughs> much hair on my head anymore to protect me. Uh, <laughs> um, and, and, a Jazz Fest hat. Yeah, exactly. My big Jazz vest dad costume. So the, the last question I want to have is, is, you know, we've talked entirely really about cooking and restaurants and, and, kind of your work lives. Um, Is there anything that you're passionate about outside of work that you want to share with everybody or is there anything that you want to, um, you know, direct people to whether it's uh social media, a web page, anything like that. And and then we'll we'll wrap up and And Levi, how about you?
2: Um, yeah, sure. Listen, there's a lot of things I'm passionate about. I don't know uh, necessarily if it's like anything I want to advertise on this podcast, <laughs> but uh, I love people to come come see us in Nashville, come and check out the restaurants and uh, I think we'll have a really nice time.
1: And Robert, how yeah. about you? Yeah, same here. Like uh, There's a lot of stuff I do outside, you know, like music is one of my things I love outside of cooking. But uh, yeah, come see us in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, you know, Chef Robert, social media, Chef Robert Butts. Uh, Twitter, so Cook, and Pores, And we're actually about to open up uh, two new concepts in the next two months. Um, so we're growing, ever growing. So yeah, don't check us out in Atlanta. It's a good time, good food, good vibes.
0: That's, that's wonderful. Congratulations on the expansion and Levi, great talking with you. It is, it's been too long. Um, again, this was the, uh, special episode of Tip of the Tongue. Um, your host Brent Rosen and we had today Levi Rains and Robert Butts. We were the Heritage Heroes from the Heritage Fire Tour in their cities of Nashville and Atlanta. Uh it was great talking with them today. And thank you all for joining us. We will all uh, be with you for the uh, after the Savannah uh on the April sixteenth. We'll be talking to the Heritage Fire hero next week. So thanks again, everybody. We appreciate you listening.